When we moved to Missouri, I was told I needed to have two things that I did not have when I was living in Texas. A snow shovel and a rock bar. And I soon found out why. Now, we had some snow in Texas and we had some rocks in Texas, but Missouri has the lead in both of those categories. I ruined my post hole digger the first time I tried to dig a hole in my backyard, so I went out and bought my rock bar, as I was told, and I've been prying out rocks ever since. Or, to be honest, I just quit digging any holes. Jesus' parable of the sower continues here in Mark chapter 4, where we're going to read this morning. Last week, we looked at the first soil that Jesus described as he talked about the seed that fell on the path. The hardened soil there would not receive the seed, and just as soon as it fell, the birds would swoop in and gather the seed and take it away before it ever even had time to take root in the soil. Jesus explained that the same way that Satan steals away the message of the gospel from those who have hardened their hearts against it. This week, Jesus describes two more types of soil, each illustrating a response to the gospel that's just as negative. Let's find out what he says here in verse 5. Some, the seed, fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Again, Jesus is cautioning us to take some time to check our soil. Shallow soil will not allow the seed to grow. Last week, we saw how Jesus, so often as he did, taught with parables. He used stories from real life to illustrate important spiritual truths. The image of a farmer spreading his seed would be something that everybody in the New Testament day would understand. The seed that landed on the hardened path, they would get that. They would understand how that's not going to grow there and how the birds would come and take that away just as soon as it hit there. They would get that. But there was seed that fell elsewhere as well. The next location that Jesus describes is the rocky soil. Now, Missouri has more rocks than Texas, but neither one of those states comes anywhere close to Palestine. If you go there, you'll find that much of the area is covered by a thin layer of soil over a hard layer of bedrock limestone. And when seed falls into that thin layer of soil, it it seems to start growing very quickly. It sprouts through the soil in just a few days, but things don't last very quickly. The plant is not able to get the moisture that it needs because it can't send its roots any farther down because the rock prevents it from doing so. Soon you wind up with just a crispy dead bush like the tumbleweeds we used to have out in West Texas. Jesus explains the spiritual application of that in verse 16. There he says, Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, Hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. 
Here Jesus describes the person represented by this soil as someone who initially seems to respond to the words of Christ. They seem to follow him, but very quickly that's revealed not to be the case. As soon as problems come into their life, what appears to have been faith quickly fades away. Now, it's important to note here, they don't lose their faith. They don't lose their salvation because they never had real faith or real salvation to begin with. Also notice that the problems of life, the difficulties that are faced, are not the issue. Sooner or later, everyone in this world faces problems. The difference is a little bit like a child's imaginary friend. Remember those? You know, we all kind of grew up having imaginary friends. Well, maybe you didn't, but I did. Some of us did. Lots of kids have imaginary friends or something like that. It's part of growing up. Having a conversation with your stuffed animal. Or having a, a tea party with your dolls. Pretty soon, though, the problem with that becomes apparent. That that stuffed bear is not a very good conversationalist. And he really has a hard time playing catch. He doesn't throw it back very well. And he never helps to clean up after the party is over. And his arm keeps falling off. At least my teddy bears did. The point is, somewhere along the line, we learn that those imaginary friends won't be there when we really need them because they really weren't there to begin with. That's the problem with the kind of faith described by the rocky soil. It's really not faith to begin with. Describes a person who maybe they walked an aisle, maybe they signed a membership card, But there was never any true commitment of their life to the Lord. There was no real faith in Him. Jesus was a convenient opportunity. And once He's not convenient anymore, He's tossed aside. And that's not real faith. Receiving Christ as Savior and Lord is receiving Christ as Savior and Lord. That's not something you do just when it's convenient. It's something you do for life. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we are receiving Him as the only one who can pay for the penalty of our sin. The only one who can provide us with everlasting life. No one else has it to give and so we turn to Him by faith to receive it. When we receive Him as Lord, it changes the focus of our life. No longer are we focused on ourselves. Now our focus is on Him and those roots go deep. They'll withstand the storm. Which leads to the next soil that Jesus describes, which He warns to watch out for the thorns. The first two types of soil don't work because they're not very fertile. Nothing will grow in them. This next type of soil is different. It's deep. It's fertile. Maybe a little bit too much. The descriptions in verse 7, Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. This soil already has some growth 
just of the wrong kind. The thorn bushes had taken over. They choke out the growth of the good seed. In fact, it never has a chance to really get going. It never has a chance to bear fruit. And Jesus describes what that represents as well. Down to verse 18, still others like seed sown among the thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, there's some interesting things in this passage. This describes folks who hear the gospel, but then it gets lost in the conversation of their life. The, the worries of this life shout it down. Now, what I find interesting is what Jesus describes as the worries of this life. You know, when we think about worries, we, we, we think about problems and, and illness and, and difficulties that come our way. That's not the kind of worry that Jesus describes here. Look at what he calls the worries of life. Wealth. Most of us, it's the absence of wealth that we worry about. We think, hey, if we had enough wealth, everything would be great. Maybe not. Or the other thing that he described, the desires for other things. The desire for Stuff. Now, we don't look at that as being problematic either. We don't think that, that having wealth or having a lot of things, we think that will solve all of our problems. But Jesus points something out very important. Now, the reality is there's nothing wrong with wealth. Wealth can be a very good thing. It can be used to spread the gospel. It can be used to do wonderful ministry. And there's nothing wrong with stuff either. There's some stuff that's really good that can be very beneficial and very helpful in our life. But I like the way one commentator puts it here. Some people, he says, give first-rate loyalty to second-rate things. That's the problem. It's not that wealth or things are evil or bad. It's when we focus on them rather than focusing on Christ that the problem occurs. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, Jesus says, He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Everybody gets the Son and everybody gets rain. The question is, what are you going to plant in your garden? Marcia and I have made several attempts at gardening through the years. We've, we've tried plowing a space in our yard for garden that only see, seemed to provide a really good place for snakes to hide. So that didn't work very well. So then we decided to try clay pots out on our back porch. Uh, they don't grow as much, but the snakes are much smaller that can get in there. And we've tried a variety of fruits and vegetables along the way. We've tried tomatoes and peppers and strawberries and a lot of other things with some limited success. But when we start out, when it's time to plant, when we go to the, the store to, to buy the, the seedlings, we do take great care to make sure that what we plant is actually what we want. Nothing like planting what you think are tomatoes and getting turnips. Now, at least our gardening mistakes are not fatal, at least to us. I mean, if, you know, if it doesn't grow or 
don't quite get what we were expecting, we just go to Walmart. But in the New Testament day, it was much, much worse. If your garden did not produce, if you didn't have the kinds of harvest that you needed, it meant your family didn't eat. Having the right soil was a life and death matter. Spiritually speaking, speaking, what Jesus is describing here is even more serious than that. So far we've seen three different kinds of soil representing three different kinds of people. The hard-hearted, the shallow, and those overcome by the cares of this world. All three, though different, share something in common. The seed doesn't produce fruit. Which makes Jesus' point even more significant. His question more important. What kind of soil are you? You see, that's what this parable is about. This parable is not about going around, you know, judging different people what kind of soil they are. Saying, well, that, that person's hard-hearted. That, they fit the first category. And this person over here, they're kind of shallow, so they would be the shallow soil. And boy, that guy's a thorny fella. You know, that's not what this is for. This is not about judging other people. This is about looking at our own life, looking at our own heart, and, and, and discovering what kind of soil are we. You know, when you, when you were planting a garden, a lot of times you'll go and get one of those little uh, packages or boxes that are a soil test. They provide the way that you can go out and you can test your soil to, to see what kinds of things would grow well in the soil that you have. Well, this morning I would invite you to do a soil test. No time like the present to do that. Have you rejected the claims of Christ out of hand. You're saying, oh, I'm not going to listen to that. That religion stuff, I don't need that. I can do fine on my own. Have you rejected the claims of Christ simply because you didn't want to take time to consider them? Or have you initially listened to the claims of Christ, but, but you've kind of moved on in your life? Other things became more important, seemingly. Or have you allowed the world to convince you that there's something more important right now than Jesus? Uh, maybe you've said, you know, as soon as I get my career going, then I'll follow Christ. Or, or as soon as I get my family together, then I'll, 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 I'll get them grown and, and then I'll, I'll kind of start looking out for the things of, of my own world. Or, or is there something else that you've made it more important than Jesus? Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with a career. That can be a very good thing. God can use that in a great way. There's certainly nothing wrong with family. That's a wonderful thing. God gives us our family. The problem becomes when we put those very important things first over Christ. And they choke out what's most important of all. So take time to check your soil. But then realize something. 
Jesus is in the soil transformation business. <laughs> Last night, Marsh and I had, had a chance to, to watch a, the movie The Case for Christ that came out a while back, and we finally got around to renting it and watching it. If you have a chance, it's, it's, a, it's well worth watching. An excellent movie. It's, it's about the life of, of a guy named Lee Strobel, who was a uh, journalist for the Chicago Tribune, Herald or Tribune, I forget what, anyway, the paper in Chicago. And uh, had, had just outright decided, I don't need Jesus. I, I, we don't need him in our life, and I don't need him in my life, and I'm just fine without him. That was the decision he made. He, he fit exactly that, that first description, that hard-hearted soil. And people talked to him about the Lord from time to time, and it was, you, know, you could almost see the birds of his mind coming in and swooping out and taking the seed as soon as it got there. And just perfect description of what Jesus was talking about. But through a series of circumstances, suddenly he became challenged to start asking questions and start actually looking at the claims of Christ and actually considering, are these true? And don't want to spoil the movie for you, but uh, he comes to know Christ, comes to believe. And you get to watch through the course of that movie the way that Christ transformed his life. Jesus is in the soil transformation business. So if you're here today and, and you've always thought, you know what, I don't have any need for this Jesus thing, guess what? Jesus brought you here this morning <laughs> so that you can know how much he loves you. Even though you've turned him away, even though you've rejected he still loves you. Enough that he's still reaching out to you right now. And maybe you've allowed something uh, in your life to, to swoop in and, 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 and just... Take away what Jesus has placed there. Maybe you've heard the, the uh, claims of Christ and maybe even you've, you've you know, maybe made a decision at some point, but you knew that really wasn't valid. You just kind of did what you thought you were supposed to do. And you drifted away from that and you've wondered, you know, maybe this Jesus thing isn't for me. Wait a minute, he brought you here because he wants you to know that he's here for you right now this morning. That He hasn't given up on you. He's waiting for you to find a real, lasting, eternal relationship with Him. Not just some surface kind of decision, but something that digs right down into the depth of your life. He's here for you today. Or maybe today you know the claims of Christ, you know they're significant, and yet you've placed other things above Him. You've made other things more important. I'll put that off till later. Folks, later is now. Jesus brought you here today because today is the day that you need to follow Christ. Don't allow those other things, as important as they are, and again, we're not saying those other things aren't significant Jesus understands how significant they are, but what he wants you to understand is as significant as they are, your personal relationship with him is even more significant than that. So this morning I invite you, if you you find yourself in one of those categories, let Jesus transform your soil today. Heavenly Father, help us. We come before you in need of your transforming grace. God, maybe there's someone here that to this point they just refuse to even listen. And, and yet, God, you brought them here this morning. And you're reaching out to them again. And God, you can take the hardest of lives 
and turn it into a fertile, wonderful garden for your glory. God, maybe there's someone here and, and maybe somewhere along the way they considered your claims, but it wasn't real. It wasn't a truly life-changing decision. They've kind of walked away from that. And yet, God, you brought them back here this morning because you want them to know the life-transforming power of your grace, not just some signing a card or, or, or some surface decision, but, God, you want to show them that you're here to change their life. And you brought them here this morning to do that. God, maybe there's someone here that they know your claims and yet they push that to the side because they thought something else was more important. Help them to realize those other important things, their family, their career, the other things in their life that are very good things, all of those are wrapped up in their relationship with you. And you brought them here this morning to help them understand that if they can get their life right with you, you'll help them in all those other areas too. God, help us this morning to see you can transform our life through your marvelous grace. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.